0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prep Talk podcast, hosted by Pete's Flips, fulfilled by Max, and not really mad. We are here for our second episode today. Very excited to bring it to you. Um, today, we'll be talking about the different tools and uh, processes that allowed us to scale our Amazon businesses. So ex- excited to have you! And let's get rolling. Why don't we do a round of intros, and then we'll uh, we'll get into it. What's up, everybody?
1: Uh, I'm fulfilled by Max. Did about probably going to do about 115k this month in revenue so i'm looking forward to uh keeping scaling and learning with you guys what's
2: going on guys i'm not really mad uh i actually am mad sometimes not all the time i guess (laughs) actually i'm not really that that mad that much that's what kind of why i put the name and uh, i think this month i'll do like 83 hopefully so
0: yep and then uh i'm pete's flips uh right now i'm at like 130k for the month Um, been taking things seriously for about four or five months. So um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about all the different tools that allowed us to scale rather quickly, um, mistakes that we made, that sort of thing. Um, Why don't we just get into the first topic that we have, and it is the uh, beautiful Amex Plum. Uh, So uh, Fulfilled by Max, why don't you go ahead and give us the down low on the Plum, why it's great, uh, lessons learned, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so um, the Plum is actually a business card that Amex provides. Um, you can hook it up to your to your business bank account and um, keep your assets, your personal assets and your um, LLC's assets, your company assets separate. The way the Plum works is it uses your personal credit score to gauge how reliable you are as a creditor. And um, it also kind of incorporates your cash flow and your ability to pay down your Amex um, as a factor of how much you get per month in in your spend limit. Um, with an Amex Plum, there is no strict spend limit. So, how on a normal credit card you might have a ten thousand dollars spend limit. Um, Amex Plum actually is pretty flexible based off of how you pay, how you utilize it, and um, I mean how how large the payments are that you're making. So. It's a really, really good tool if you're looking to scale up fast, but you're limited on capital. I mean, not everybody has $60,000, $80,000 to spend, but you can easily work your Amex limit up just by um, paying before the due date, paying it all off at once, and uh, maxing it out every single month, so that way you can uh, increase that spend limit, increase your, your ability to uh, spend on inventory.
0: Well, like a really good thing about the MX Plum, in my opinion, is that it gives you time, time to sort out mistakes. So like mm-hmm. it, when you're first, uh, you know, using the Plum, it will give you an additional 30 days. And if you time it correctly with kind of like the, the statement end, it could be even longer than that. But it gives you time to get that cash flow moving. And it kind of pairs really nicely with like the automated pay schedules of doing like FBA products. And so it can really alleviate your cash flow uh, mm-hmm. candidly. When I was first looking at business cards, I went with the Amex Gold because uh, it's definitely a flex. It's, it's a nicer looking card. And then immediately said, this isn't the move and then went to the Plum. And that's, that's the main card that I use at this point. There aren't really any rewards. They do have like early payoff rewards, but that kind of defeats the point of the Plum. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think, a tool that all three of us use.
2: So before we get into all like, I guess, the plumbing stuff, I just feel like it would would be a good idea to give kind of the audience or people listening that are kind of new to this, like the very, very bare bones basic of where we started and stuff. And like, how do you even get to the plumbing? Why would you need an LLC and stuff like that? So I don't know if you guys want to hop into like separating business and personal bank accounts and, you know, you know, going through your LLC for that reason to separate those funds and why that's so crucial for organization and stuff like that just so we can kind of understand why we even get to the Amex plum, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So for me, I had an LLC, but I didn't take credit out in the LLC's name for an extended period of time. So I was still running personal cards up until probably the last like four or five months. And that really had a negative effect on my credit score. Um, But I just had these limiting beliefs around, Leveraging the business credit and really they're just running against kind of like Max said running against your personal making sure that you're a trustworthy individual. And then uh, I was approved like same day uh, for the Amexes that I was looking at. So um, that's sort of my experience. Um, but yeah, I, I would absolutely separate early um, just so that everything is uh, separate. You don't have to think about it like the cash isn't getting intermixed. It just creates a lot of uh, headache if, if they do get mixed. yeah Yeah. I had
2: the. sorry Sorry, go ahead ahead, max go ahead no yeah i was just gonna say i had the problem where like you know i'd initiate a transfer through my boa i I use bank of america for like my main personal stuff i know it's awful but i've been with them so long i feel like (laughs) i will transfer at some point but uh but yeah i was i was getting to the point where i was just i had had so many different things going on that like i was a couple times where i made like a couple wire transfers and they don't happen immediately so it doesn't immediately reflect it in your balance So I over-transferred and I had to, luckily I had cash in my savings and it just overdrafted from my savings, but I had just miscalculated, you know, different wire transfers and stuff like that. It just got really messy. And I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. I should have started from the beginning with an LLC. I now have one. I've transitioned through that now and all of my bank accounts are now separate business. And then I have a funnel that I go to my personal one and then I can disperse through that through Bank of America to all my various credit cards and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's just so crucial to separate those two just for organization purposes. That way you're not like, you know, it, it just gets a lot, especially when you start getting to like the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60K range per month that you have so many different transactions with so much cash flow going on. It's very difficult to track it penny by penny. So just separating it completely makes it real easy to just kind of sparse apart and, you know, keep everything separate that way.
1: Yeah, the faster the faster you get off of anything, you know, personally related, Is is better, especially because when you first start your business, um, the reason why we set up LLCs is because we want the business to be its own entity, right? Um, And LLC is a pass through business. So, what that means is you're going to get the tax benefits of having an actual business and a corporation, but uh, but you're not going to be liable yourself, right? Um, You're going to have the ability to actually Separate your assets, your personal assets, over here, where you might have, you know, if you have, if you're a homeowner like Peter, you are, um, your homeowner assets are over here, and then your LLC's assets are over here. So one doesn't affect the other, and that's kind of the whole purpose. It's almost like an insurance policy. So I think that that's a that's a huge point to touch on is the fact that when you intertwine them, you lose that insurance policy. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when I spend eighty thousand dollars on inventory in a month it makes me feel a lot better that the stuff I own myself is protected via that separation of assets.
0: Yeah. All all of your cars are protected. That's, that's really nice. Oh yeah. I was worried Um, about
2: the Ferrari Lamborghini. Yeah.
0: Uh, One day Um, day we're on Batman, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of touched on like, um, you know, taxes and like, you know, benefits there. Um, How much have you guys thought about like bookkeeping and accounting this early? Um, Like, I think a lot of people get really tripped up there. Um, they're thinking about having the entire business stood up from the very beginning before they have any revenue. So like, what have you guys done to this point um, to, you know, start thinking about bookkeeping or accounting?
1: Um, so personally I'm, I'm in touch with my accountant on a regular basis. Um, he pretty much kind of, when I have questions about, you know, Hey, what can I do here to uh, you know, is this, how do I expense this? Is this a tax deductible? What's going on over here? Um, I think it's really important to have an accountant. I think it's a really good investment because they're going to be able to tell you things that you don't really know about how to save some money and save some money for your business. Right. Um, I think that a lot of people don't really realize when they start their business and they take, you know, let's say you took 20 K and you put that towards your business, that's a capital investment, right? Um, My business is technically as a separate entity in debt to me, the 20 K that I've given it. So at the end of the year, when I go to pay myself out as you do in an LLC, $20,000 Twenty thousand dollars of my profit is untaxable because it's money that the business already owes me. It's just paying off its debt, so it's money that I've already had, myself, and the business owes me. I'm, I mean, I think that that is something that we should all keep in mind, right? Because it's that, an easy twenty k that, that you can get back untaxable.
0: Yeah, I mean that. So that's something. Like personally, I haven't really addressed yet. I'm gonna probably start thinking about accountants and bookkeeping um, now that. I've reached a certain level of scale. Um, do you just want to like stipulate here that this is not tax advice that you should uh, go ahead and get your oh, own yeah. accountant? Um, because every state is going to have unique rules, and um, you know, fulfilled by Max is not an accountant, but um, he is the most knowledgeable in our group. Absolutely, um, yeah. Having worked with one, I am not an accountant, and um,
1: the information that I'm saying is purely off the books so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. Call your accountant before listening to me at all and you can check with them to make sure that um everything i'm telling you is correct
0: yeah yeah um but very good information all of the same
1: yeah i, th- I just want
0: to touch on the accounting thing too
2: i, I think you can i think you could do it both ways um i think we scaled pretty aggressively so i think it's pretty smart to really lay it down but if you're only doing like 5 to 10,000 a month. Like I don't really think that's something you should be hyper focused on. Yeah, you might want to set up an initial consult and just have them set you up, but at that point it's not really worth your time really really like thinking about that at the back of your head. Like you should be more focused on scaling and finding profitable products at that point. I think once you get to the 50, 60, 70k range per month and you really start rolling and you're going to make, you know, mid five figures, maybe even low six figures, that's when you really need to start thinking about that and looking forward if we're projecting our future sales like we're already at that point so it's smart for us to kind of get that set up i just had an initial console with one and i gave him you know all my info and we i switched over to him for my personal as well he does both so and that was my dad's uh, accountant too so that's nice so i kind of have it but i i'd like to honestly i only email him like here and there but i'd probably because max you're what you're for you have like a friend that's kind of involved with the accounting right
1: yeah, yeah. I went to uh I was in a fraternity in college and um one of the guys that I was in the fraternity with kind of graduated, it's gonna take over his dad's accounting firm. And um I was like, screw it, let's just let's just run it with him because he's he's gonna be someone that I trust, that I know, and um we can both kind of grow together.
2: Yeah, see that's huge having like a personal relationship too, which is I'm gonna to have to build mine. So if anyone's listening, like I think it's definitely wise to, like Yeah, get in early, get the initial console, and then once you're at that level where you really need to start trying to build that relationship, that way you can kind of have better access and ask these type of questions because you're definitely they're definitely going to come up. So
0: yeah, well, and I think that the bookkeeping and the accounting is such an overwhelming topic for so many people that they do it could be a reason that people get stuck. And Mm -hmm. uh, the reality of this business is that you don't actually have any problems until you are selling profitable products. So like the only focus that you should have is finding profitable products and a lot of them, like when you're just starting, that is the only thing that you should be thinking about. Um, you go ahead and create your LLC, but then your main objective is just selling products. You don't have any problems unless you can sell profitably on Amazon. That That is the only objective that you should think about when you're starting.
2: Do you guys track like your returns, like down to the penny and like really go after Because I know me and Peter have talked about this. And I think like if when you're aggressively scaling, it's so difficult to keep track of every single penny. And there's definitely gonna be some loss and some uh, you know, some points shaved off here and there. I guess trying to mitigate that as much as possible is ideal. But at a certain point, it's almost not even worth your time too. If you spend three hours digging and you come up with thirty dollars, you know, you could have spent that three hours yeah. finding profitable products and made a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. So I guess yeah. at what point do we, it's like a weird fine line between like not getting too sloppy but not being way too tight and just actually wasting time at a certain point i haven't
0: really yeah yeah, for me like i began to pick up on certain categories and certain items that i knew were going to get returned and then i started to shy away from them or i increased my roi requirements around them like so i was not worried about tracking every single one Uh, to me it is more worth my time to go find new products than to make sure that Everything is buttoned to a T. Um, I think over the next couple months, I'll probably think about getting like a, an admin VA just to make sure everything is like clean and seller board and everything's tracked perfectly. But for me right now, I know like just looking at the ROI requirements that I'm sitting within my or setting within my repricer that we're going to be in a profitable position and like we're doing pretty well. Um, and the next like turn of the crank. I tweeted about this today is to then refine the business, make sure that I have a really good understanding of those numbers. And then uh, you know, be able to turn that over to a bookkeeper. It's nice and tidy. Make sure that everything is like buttoned up. I
1: think that inventory lab does a pretty good job of I mean, I use inventory labs personally, Peter. I know you use seller board kind of the same way. Um, when you integrate inventory labs directly in with seller central I think it does a really good job of tracking your returns and whatnot, just because um, you can see on a case by case basis, uh, whether or not the product's been returned to you um, or if it's sellable or unsellable. And I think that's, that's where the big part of um, returns come in, right? Whether a product's sellable or it's unsellable. A lot of times we get products back from Amazon that aren't the product we actually sold literally (laughs) today and yesterday or, uh, and they just mark it as customer damage, right? And yeah. you got to kind of like file those safety claims. So those are, the, those are the products that I pay most attention to when I get returned is um, the stuff that I'm getting back from Amazon that's quote unquote customer damage because a lot of times you can file those safety cl- safety claims and um, get your money back and get reimbursed. So I find that to be the most important part of tracking your returns.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that um, returns are something that really intimidate uh, new sellers and You'll just you'll understand over time by selling more products what is going to get returned what is going to come back sellable, Um, you know like if you're selling a food product and like somehow they managed to get a return probably not sellable, Um, but if you're selling something uh, you know maybe an electronic that was just like not compatible it could be sellable I mean there's there's a ton of different examples and like when you're thinking about products that will be returned like think about what process they're going through to be evaluated by the customer so like if it's an apparel item. to try it on they have to make sure that they look good in it you know there's a lot of boxes that they have to check along the way and so if there's a lot of boxes they have to check to make them happy then they're likely going to be higher return rates on that so you just have to think about it as like think put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and then you'll have an idea if the return rate is likely to be high or not
2: yeah i guess you kind of have to build that into like with like stuff that i know is going to like with apparel and stuff, you definitely want to make sure your ROI is a lot higher. You're gonna have some returns, so that's gonna eat into the overall profit. So you definitely want to make sure you're not doing anything apparel-wise that's like ten percent, you know, margin or like you know twenty percent ROI or something like that. It's just not gonna. It's gonna tear that down piece by piece until you're left in single digits eventually. So especially if it gets returned a lot. So yeah, I gotta start doing that. I know I go through Seller Central. And I just look at like all the returns on FBA returns. And just see, like, you know, this one return, this one that it's kind of funny. I've had this like one pair of shoes the past like three weeks, has been, it's like cycling. Yeah,
0: the- I've had a few of those. Yeah. I, like, I, I'm shocked that some of them still have life to be honest. <laughs> like, I've got I must have gotten a return. The same pair has probably touched like seven different hands and it's still kicking. So, uh, Dude, no this one's
2: expensive this. too. It's like 250. It just keeps getting recycled. I'm like,
0: bro, it's
2: on like its fourth trip back through Amazon. I'm like,
1: yeah so shoes shoes i mean we haven't really set a product but shoes are definitely one thing that have a high return rate and you can expect to have a high return rate because of the fact nobody knows their shoe size for some
0: reason i don't understand it like these people are picky (laughs) as hell amazon amazon uh, customers are super spoiled yeah dude remember literally yesterday i got
1: a return because the the parent said their kid (laughs) they wanted a bigger product because their
0: kid's fat
2: that was crazy
0: that's wild like you know what i and i said it on twitter you should be sending them money for the Odyssey. that's hilarious Nah, bro forget them
1: dude (laughs) i had to pay for shipping i fbm that so i paid for the shipping to get over to them and next thing you know i'm going to be getting it back in the mail because your kid's fat your kid doesn't need a new product he needs a diet
0: (laughs) send them them some seed oils (laughs) dude max send him some seed oils bro he needs it yeah, Max is the seed oil king. So, bro, I
2: got Crisco on deck, which you know, I got peanut oil, Crisco, <laughs> avocado oil, oil.
0: seed oil. oil. <laughs> well, no, but, no, but like yeah. Miles didn't realize that cinnamon buns have seed oils in them. I was like, how? How is that a gap? It's in everything. It's literally in everything. It's in everything.
2: It's almost. It's harder to find a product that seed oils are not in than it is to find it. Like you can just point around the shelf somewhere, even at like Whole Foods probably. I bet I could just point around and just, whoop, seed oil, seed oil, and just, you know, with a blindfold.
1: Yeah. great. So if you see right. Max at a uh, Whole Foods with a blindfold,
0: just know he's looking for seed oils.
2: I'm probably filming a video for Twitter about, uh, Random seed
0: oil. What's the? That's gonna be your first YouTube video. You're just gonna be doing seed oil conspiracies. I
2: actually saw this dude on Instagram the other day, and he was doing that. He was in Whole Foods, and he was like, "All right, we're gonna turn around right now and see if I can find something without seed oils." Let's (laughs) go. He's like, "Ah, this one has it." All right, we have 15 seconds to find a product without seed oils. Oh, this one looks organic. Pulls it off the shelf. He's like, "No, soy (laughs) lecithin, seed oils, and everything else. It's bad. If you put it back."
1: My God. He was going off dude yeah Um, max is talking saying some guy was doing that but it was really him he was going through it's a front taking taking stuff out of people's cart going oh my god this has seed
0: oils
2: i talked to myself in third person (laughs) whatever
0: so then like another topic like when we're first getting uh getting started would be ungating um i feel like a lot it's like the one you really don't want to talk about but i feel like a lot of people get like tripped up over it and like if I ever made a video about people overcomplicating things that's what it's about. Like people are like don't understand it. Um I don't know did did you guys have any problems on gating? No. Crickets. Perfect. All right. So uh it is all mentality. Like if they decline you the first time you resubmit the sucker and eventually they will accept the invoice. It is not complicated. Just make sure that your address matches your amazon account and move on with your life I, I it's it kind of boggles my mind that people still get tripped up by this like there's so much content on youtube that covers it
2: it's all about your perspicacity and your willingness to not say not give up for with no for an answer yeah i mean i i'm not gonna lie i'll be a little candid here i had some troubles in the beginning a little bit i i want to i don't want to be completely want to be a little bit transparent but I just didn't give up and eventually it went through. So, you know, did I have to buy a few different things to try? Yeah, of course. And the guy have to resubmit, of course. Did I have to send an email maybe, of course. But like I got through. It's going to you going to get through. Like you just have to find a way. The way is there. Like you're not going to not get ungated. I mean, I don't know about Hasman and all that stuff, but like for basic products and basic brands, you will get ungated. Yeah. Might not happen the first time, might not happen the second, might not happen the third, but keep doing it. You'll go through. Like you're not going to get blocked. Right. So it's all about your willingness to kind of go around the goalposts. You know, sometimes you might, you might have to go into seller help or whatever central help and shoot them an email and say, Hey, look, I actually did submit this. Can you check this and do that? Cause I know one of them I submitted three or four times and then it immediately just kept on denying me when I put new info in and it would email you back saying no new info submitted. And I'm like, dude, I literally submitted you a whole new invoice. Right. So I had to email them. And then as soon as I emailed them, I'm gated. So, yeah. you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat on Amazon, you know.
1: So you got to
2: get get the skin and keep moving, you
1: know. So, so two things that I think um personally, you know, this is this is an actual fact factual information, but I think it helps. Um one, I think that trying to go and get ungated at odd times during the day actually makes it easier. So like late at night. If you try to if you try to send it gate ungating um, request later at night, I think that you have more success. Also, if you get rejected, open a new case.
0: If you can. I, I, so I'm more willing to believe the second than the first. I feel like the first one's some wild-ass conspiracy. To be perfectly yeah. honest.
1: Why I say that is because when you... I mean, late at night, right? You have your nine to five hours for the United States. yeah. But then there has to be somebody that works overnight. So they outsource to other countries. And I think that um, sometimes you might get a VA from a different country that might be looking at your invoice instead of somebody from the States and they might just click, all right, send them through because it looks like an invoice. Um, so I think that that can give you an easier time getting through rather than um, submitting
0: it, you know, during a nine to five period. Well, you know, I mean, either way, try it. Like if you're not yeah. getting ungated, give it a shot. I mean, see if like doing it yeah. different hours, you run into somebody else because that is true. Like. I think that a lot of this, until you're like trusted by Amazon, like a lot of it's just manual review and they're just pumping out volume. They probably, Mm -hmm. like that's gotta be a miserable job just looking at invoices all day if it's not AI. But um, like something to keep in mind is that like, when you're first starting, you are not trustworthy. You have no like credit history with Amazon until you demonstrate that you are good at fulfilling the orders that you have. Like, so when you first start, it is natural to be rejected, and then over time, like I've seen people just get you know ungated automatically with like dog shit invoices. It just over time it'll happen.
2: I heard Under Armour is pretty easy to ungate with, so anyone out there listening, want to
0: start on? I thought <laughs> it was Adidas. <laughs> Adidas is the easiest. Just ask Dre. Yeah, just ask Dre. We can find out if he. I, I still can't believe he doesn't have a buy sheet. Yeah. Well, lie. I still think it's a
2: lie, bro. We're gonna you have think to lie. I'm gonna have to look him in his eyes on Wednesday and actually uh, see what's going on. Down yeah, down. we're gonna have to interrogate He's him
0: because I don't know. He's I don't gonna know you. He, he might. Don't look cool into his time. eyes, bro. He's like a, a handsome dude. guy. Yeah. Six
2: four is. If my girls
1: are on, I might have to hide, bro.
2: Can't can't, can't can't make your girl Andre, bro? She, no. he's too handsome. It's too much of a risk.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, bro, yeah. His follow, his following's gotta be like 95% female. <laughs> the... <Ooh. laughs>
2: I heard he's thinking about going into the uh, selling a fitness uh, offer pretty soon and going into that that type of fitness guru space twenty right, five like
0: another good topic would be like bank accounts and getting that set up. And so um Max uh, Max Cat, why don't you go ahead and share like the process that you went through to you know, get that all taken care of. And like um, I'm sure that we'll have some feedback and stuff, but let's let's get going in that.
1: Yeah, so um getting started with with your Amazon business, it's always good to file that LLC. Um I went through LegalZoom, they make it fast, they make it easy. Um, just to get your, all your information, they give you your articles of organization, your EIN, etc. They file with the state for you. So it's super duper easy. And um, I know there's other websites out there that actually are cheaper than LegalZoom. I think LegalZoom will end up costing you about like 865. Don't quote me on that, depending on what packages you use. You get the premium package, my friend. <laughs> Probably, honestly. is expensive. Um, yeah. And oh yeah. And depending on what, what state you file your LLC is, is, um, is a big, a uh, big input into how fast you get your decision back and what to do with your bank accounts. So, after you file your LLC, you're going to have to get your do- documentation back from LegalZoom. That'll be your articles of organization, your operation clauses, your EIN, your tax records. Your um, I forget. There's one. There's one other document that you're going to get. You're going to call up the bank. You know, I think that the two major banks that I always hear in Amazon is are Chase and Bank of America. Um, I think I hear that just because they're they're bigger banks and they have better uh, business account perks, like small business perks so those two are definitely like top two to go i think popularity wise i definitely hear about chase more because chase also has pretty solid credit cards when you're talking about selling on amazon so um number one i put chase number two i put bank of america unfortunately i don't have a chase over by me so i went with bank of america um but yes set up that bank account set up a business bank account bring your documentation to the bank it takes like literally less than an hour um and you'll have your debit card and everything sent to you in the mail. Once you get that in, that first bank statement, which you probably should get when you create your bank account. That's what happened to me when I got mine. Then you can go in and apply for your Amex Plum. I think you need a, an invoice or a bank statement that's about 20 days old. So once you get that bank statement, 20 days passes, you can get, you can apply for your Amex Plum. So you have to start on the business account, get some transactions going. And then you Bro, can. I
0: just chat filed. They didn't ask any of that for me. They,
1: they asked, they wanted me to have uh, 20 days.
0: It's probably cause you move so fast. Like you yeah. move expeditiously. And so they were like, I don't even know if this person exists. He's moving so quick, but um, it kind of gets into a point that I want to bring up. Um, having a good relationship with like a banker is huge. It can make your life a lot easier. Cause like when you're like filling out all that information online, I tried doing that and like I am incapable of it. So um, just having them do it and just having a good relationship and you just drop an email being like, hey, I want to open up an account will make your life so much easier. And then another thing that I see people like worrying about is like, you know, where am I gonna get the best interest rate or all this? So, like, where where's like the best uh, perks? Just go with a go with a bank, have everything under one roof and move because it'll allow you to move with speed. You don't want to be setting up all of these like inner Uh, bank transfers and stuff, it's a mess. When it's all under one roof, it's a lot easier. And then it just allows you to move faster um, than otherwise. Yeah, I have like a web of wire transfers. I have a
2: system system for me where it's pretty simple now. Like I I made like a whole separate Amazon disbursement bank account in BOA. So everything goes to that. That way it doesn't interact with my personal. And then that's connected to my business. So you can see everything on one portal. And then from there, I disperse to my individual credit cards from the Amazon disbursement bank account. Um, That makes it for sure a little more. And that's all connected to my other banks, too. So like Chase and I don't know, I have like eight different, nine different credit cards because I was just stacking cards for Amazon. But yeah, it it can. But it's like it's better than doing it through your personal. Like, I don't don't know. When I was first commingling funds, it was like awful.
0: Well, I used to, like with Turo and Amazon, I used to have them at different institutions and it was just like a mess. You have to remember all these passwords. And then we finally got it under one roof and that was like a lot better.
2: Yeah. The thing with personal banking too is this is, I'll give a little quick anecdote here. I was spamming BOA with like orders and I was opening up like a new credit card every three weeks. (laughs) After like two months of that, they'd had enough. They just (laughs) locked my whole account and they froze me (laughs) on like everything. Because I I think I was one day I I was just spamming orders, and you know I they locked my card. I called them, they unlocked it. I spammed again, and then locked it again. I called back, they unlocked it. and The third time, i went to call back, they was like, nah, like we can't unlock this card anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? I just this is why I just call when it gets locked, and you guys unlock it.
0: (laughs) We've got this routine down.
2: He's like, we we can't do that. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? She's like, anyway, you got to go in person and verify your identity. And I was like, bro, like that's a whole trip. So that about a month prior I had opened my BOA business account. Right. And the one branch in this town that I went to said that I probably wouldn't be able to get a loan or probably wouldn't be able to get a credit card for a while since my business credit was so brand new, all this and that. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like he wouldn't really, he wasn't really budging. I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. This was like three weeks later. I go to another branch and this lady, we get to talking, you know, she's on the phone, very minded at any with like the internal um, phone number. And, she, you know, I'm telling her, I'm showing her my Amazon account. I'm like, yeah, look, I'm doing like 50K this month, whatever, whatever. And she goes, oh, have you, you know, had a, you know, appointment with the business department? I said, no, nah, I haven't. She's like, yeah, I'll hook you up with a personal guy over there. So she hooked me up, like clicked something on her end. That night when I went home, I looked in my bank account and had an offer for a credit card for $10,000 and I ended up taking it. And then the personal guy, uh, my guy, Eduardo, was like the same guy I work with now all the time. He like explained to me, oh yeah, like she like pushed something through and referred you. So I don't know, I, well, I, I wasn't able to do it before. And then all of a sudden she referred me and I could open up $10,000 credit card. So.
0: Well, that's like, just like something about like lending. The, it's all about who you know within that space. So like she knew, she had a connection, she knew how a process worked, you know. Um, you know, maybe Eduardo was like newer, didn't know all the processes, whatever, you know, whatever, who knows. Um, but the smaller community banks, if you're looking for a loan, if you can demonstrate like worthiness, yeah, would be a lot true. easier because it's like a personal relationship. You're yeah. close to home. Um, they don't have to go through all of like the checks and balances that like a Wells or a Chase or a BOA would need to go through. Like they, you could probably talk to a lending officer and they'd be like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Or, Hey, you need to come back in five months after you've demonstrated that you have good revenue. Credit unions are typically move. I used yeah. to flip cars in high school and I used to
2: only go through this one credit union because they would give me like the lowest interest and the highest amount. So yeah. I purchased like 10 or 15 cars just through that one alone. I didn't even bother looking at other banks. They were just tossing me money as like a 16 year old kid. It was insane, bro. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then you can obviously like a smaller regional bank, you're going to be able to kind of get closer with them as they're not dealing with a ton of clients and it's kind of a smaller you know roster that they got going so do you guys bank only through big people or do you have a credit union or because i know well so pete did where did you did you get your house through a, a big big? We did a a like- credit
0: union for the uh for the house um okay and like we got really good rates and that sort of thing um and then we bank we bank with chase so yeah we kind of have a mix i mean i'm sure we have a couple accounts over at the credit union but um it kind of makes me think about like the one thing we haven't talked about in terms of lending is amazon loans like mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you guys gotten yeah. any yet? No. Okay, I've gotten a couple offers. And I've taken them. I just like it's probably why I chad scaled a little bit more. Oh, I um, do not you know. How much did you take? Just eight. Ah. Yeah, it wasn't a ton, but I was like, it helped smooth out some cash flow issues. And yeah. so I just said this will not be a problem. I can spend this in like five. Okay. Hours. Yeah, it was, it was like 12%. if I need to. Were the terms
2: decent? was the I think it was like twelve
0: percent or something like that. I mean over yeah. the year. And so, I mean, it wasn't great, but if you just turn over your money a few times, like I, I had no problem just pumping on it. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I was able to go a little deeper in some of the products that we were just selling. And so like, you know, that you know, that, that kind of results in a little bit higher sales volume over the last month or two. How long has your Amazon account been open? Cause I know you, oh, in yeah. the past
2: you were doing eBay, you were doing kind of, and then like recently you really hunkered down and
0: like. Yeah, so account. it's been open probably since like 2018 oh wow yeah no it's super old like it's relative like it's very old compared to yours so like they probably trust me a lot more um and because like i really like it like i have it pretty dialed in in terms when i fbm like there's there's no going out late it's like i mean you remember how i was right before the last podcast i was like oh crap i almost forgot about my fbm orders and i was like running to the post office (laughs) like trying to get there right before we started um but yeah, I, I do not miss on that. It's it's like Kobe. Zero day is scary,
2: man. I mean, as long as you, I don't recommend doing this, but as you know, it's called so crazy. I think you could do zero day until like 11 PM or something like that.
0: Dude, like, that's what Dre does. <laughs> I don't know well, if he it does it. We'll have to ask him at some point. Doesn't even he make sense. I said you could do it.
2: The post office is closed. Like that just goes to show you, they literally don't care. They just want that label created. It, you know, if you're in a pinch, you could always create the labels. And then do it the next morning, you know, but you really
0: should, if you're doing zero day, you really should be adhering to that and getting it out the same day. But- <laughs> Dre's just going, into, he's just going into stealth mode to get the packages into the system. In a quick pinch. Breaking into USPS.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some, uh, what do you you guys, so do you, what do you do for, do you guys do pickups? Well, I don't know. Are you transitioning out of FBM? I'm thinking about going, I've sent a bunch of stuff prep center this month after, you know, I stopped buying a certain SKU that we were selling a lot of. Um, you know, I've been doing prep center pretty much. I really haven't been adding any FBA. I actually have some FBA. I think I'm just going to clear out and go down the prep route. And I'll do some FBM. But for me personally, I really want to get away from it and start buying a little bit of my time back and kind of reorganizing. I just feel like right now it's the move for the next couple months. And luckily with our prep center, honestly, he gets it out faster than I think I could, FBA it. Honestly, it, it like – if way oh, yeah. fast, like Dude, I sit on that
0: product man. for like a week. I do not move expeditiously. Expeditiously with that, Dude, um, Danny is the man. I'll
2: send stuff and it'll be checked in like literally like four days later and like available to sell with like in the same week. It's nuts. Yeah, one hundred
0: percent. Yeah, I mean, I think this next month, I <laughs> I was in the um, live stream with like Miles Garrett Warner and Corey, and they were talking about how important FBM is, and it super is. It's like a it's a great way to get you know, really quick reps and learn quickly. And then it's also a um, you can just like inject capital into your next wave if you do FBM um, because you get your money back faster and uh, the margins are going to be better. Um, But I just said that, like, if I do FBM too much, it's going to lead to my inevitable divorce. So um, like (laughs) I don't know how like Jamie does not enjoy it. So um, I don't know. I'm probably going to take a break. And then I just told her that like Q4 is going to be double what this was. So. Um, yeah, I need more sanity back for like a month and to reset.
1: I think you touched on a really big pro- um topic there, Peter. Just FBM when you are new, one hundred percent, one hundred and fifty thousand percent FBM when you are new, and if you can combine the retail arbitrage aspect of Amazon with FBA, Cash. you're going to see yeah. crazy high margins crazy fast growth. You're going to be able to turn your money over two to three times throughout the month. Yeah. You're going to be able to get your money back in under a week and a half if you're taking daily payouts. So if you're getting your money back in like a week, week and a half taking daily payouts, you can compound three to four times in a month. Whereas if I'm FBAing and I'm only doing OA, I'm compounding once.
0: But that's why you did 40k your first month. I mean, you could you could just drop 30. the mic there and we could be done. Cause it's it's like it's yeah. so true and people fight it. Like that's something that I don't understand about like new sellers. They're like, I need to get a VA from the get, I need to get a prep center from the get. Like, no, you need to get your hands dirty for like four months. And like right. you need to you like if you're going to run a business, you need to be able to understand how the business operates. And like I you agree. need to know every nook and cranny of it. I feel like I'm going Russo right here but he's like, it's true. You need to know every part of your business before you think about outsourcing. Like not one of the people in our group is really heavily considering getting a VA right now. I mean, maybe for some admin stuff, but like, yeah, I just, I think that people try and get like way too ahead of themselves. Like you don't need to think about VAs. You don't need to think about prep centers. You need to learn how the system works before you start like, removing yourself from the system this isn't a get which get rich quick scheme
1: like this kind is of. a lot of hard work it's it's a lot of you know five hours five hour nights of sleep like i'm i remember dude you're i was i was in my basement for four
0: days in a row without <laughs> seeing <something. laughs> and you look like shit. um but it's it's but it's not it's not passive but it's residual so like over time yeah. it just grows and so then there's an exponential return but anybody that says that Amazon is passive is either un- uneducated or they're lying.
2: You can get it to the point where you're working
0: like 20 hours a week if you want. Even, yeah, for sure. for Even sure. less. But it takes a lot less, of time to yeah. get there. Like you have to like, do a lot of work and train a lot of people. Yeah. The first year you put in that work. Yeah. Yeah, you have to outsource your labor if you want it to be, you
1: know, passive. That's what we're doing with the prep center, right? We're outsourcing that labor to the prep center because If we had to do our FBA prep ourselves or, you know, do FBM, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. That's what we've been doing for the past three months. Whereas now we have quick prep and Danny, we send the stuff to them. They prep our FBA. That's one thing that we don't have to worry about anymore. So, you know, five hour nights of sleep turn into seven. And then eventually, if you don't want to do FBM anymore and you just want to go into FBA and just compound your money like that. Okay, well, you don't have to do FBM anymore. You can send everything to Prep Center.
0: Yeah, well, and it kind of gets into like, I see like a lot of folks that are just starting. They're like, should I get a VA first or should I get a, get Prep first? Prep. It's Prep. I don't. Prep. Think it, I, I think it, it's got to be Prep. But like, it's not even, even a question that people ask. The, like,
2: you know, I got shamed into getting a Prep Center and. Just, I'm so lucky I did it at that point because it was right before the point where I probably really needed one. And then, that like two week stretch after I got a prep center, things started heating up crazy. And I was so glad that I got one because then I was really starting to do volume where it just would have been like not fun doing it myself. And I still do some stuff myself, most of of the part is uh to the prep and 99 is now going to the prep so i've kind of even cut back even further so yeah but
0: it, it
1: again <laughs> it goes into like group you back you're vibing over there um yeah bro, i'm no thinking book. about i just love the FBM. like dude i fbm a lot like i i can't stop it bro yeah. i just want to compound so fast it does
0: but like um it, it kind of gets into the point we're probably gonna hammer this every single time um importance of group because max you had a limiting belief about prep centers you're worried about your margin and i just grilled you for like two weeks and then you eventually were like okay i'm gonna delegate i'll develop that trust um and it worked out so was that a tiktok dance (laughs) oh no all right all right you cut from the pod he's terminated i was uh
2: spazzing a little bit had to get some uh had to get try to lock some of the seed oils out of my uh my joints there you know what i mean Unlock some of that so if you that.
0: keep dancing like that we're gonna drop that one video of you
1: <laughs>
2: no. nah,
0: don't, do don't be doing that dude. We're, we're gonna have to do it for the listeners at some point
2: nah like maybe like a, I need to be like doing at least 200k a month before I can drop that
0: video 200k in December we will drop that video as a celebration oh, oh yeah. 250 250 no 200. 200. 250. 200 what do you what's your vote uh 200, it's 200. Yeah, we're That's more than double what you did this. You we have the before. video. It doesn't matter what you say. But we're I, just going to drop it at 200. I already know I'm going to
2: do 200 plus on, in December.
0: Yeah, 100%. So it's not even
2: like two, I'm probably going to do between two and three. Like, that's, I already know. I've, I've done all the
1: calculations, <laughs> the calculatories,
2: the calculations.
1: Um. <laughs> dude, one thing, one thing I've been thinking about this entire time is, uh, and I don't know if you want to add it in because we're kind of screwing around now. But the one thing I've been thinking about this entire time is everybody does Amazon differently. Like Max, you have a bunch of credit cards and you you, you like cycle them or utilize all of them. And then you kind of pay them all off in some sort of system that you have. Um, Pete, from the jump, you were always doing FBA more than you were FBMing. And then you got the Amazon loan, which let you scale up faster and everything. So that's like the difference between... Um, you two, And then me, I'm in the FBM trenches. Like I have, my goal is to end up with a warehouse. Right. So we all have different goals. We all have different ways of doing things. Um, when it comes to even credit cards or it comes to, um, how we fulfill our products. So just because me, Peter and Max do run our stores a certain way, doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Right. You can do what works for you. Right. If you're working already 80 hours a week, I doubt
0: you're going to have to, you're going to want
1: FBM products.
0: You literally won't sleep. Yeah, it's it's impossible. Like Um, there is, there is no single roadmap. There is a framework, and there are different levers that you can pull to make yourself successful. Like Mm -hmm. there are different programs that teach you the basics, and then you have to apply them to your own situation. The people that slide in the DMs and are like, "How do I do this?" or "What you know?" asking for permission to do this, bro. You need to. You need. I'm not going to hold your hand for you. I might give you advice on occasion, but it's like you need to analyze your own situation and make a decision. Yeah. That's it. Yeah,
2: that I
1: think uh, every aspect. Sorry, Max. Keep going. No, I was
2: just saying, I think, I think what Pete said was great. Was it's, uh, there's a general framework that's probably the ideal route. And then within that, you're going to find like something that you're good at. And you're going to find things that you like better. Maybe you like really like FBM and you just stick with FBM. Like nothing wrong with that. Eventually, it's going to get to a point where they need to get a warehouse or start, you know, outsourcing labor somehow. But you know, there's different ways to go about it. There's no really right answer. The only thing I can say is you shouldn't you should not drink seed oils. And to be start with, you should definitely FDM everything. Other than that, you can do whatever you want. But if you are working eight hours a week, maybe you do want FBA, but I don't want to hear about the time thing. I gotta walk my gerbil twice a day. Yeah. Has- <laughs> <laughs> I can check that tweet. I'm hoping that got some good engagement, bro. I <laughs> so we can start gerbil. But yeah, I mean I have to walk my dribble twice a day. He doesn't want to use a hamster wheel. He does have diabetes. His joints like every single morning I go up to him while he right as he wakes up and I crack his little chicken wings, allows him to kind of spread and start walking around. Give him a little so, kiss on the head. I really don't, so <laughs> all
0: right. Well, maybe we'll have your dribble on next episode. But with that, I think we're gonna wrap up. Um, thank you for listening into the second episode of the Prep Talk Podcast. Uh